about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. That was Mrs. Wagon on the kazoo. And we are back. The biggest news of the evening, uh, Tommy Reese and I are soon to be best friends, breakfast buddies. We're going to start a breakfast club together. Uh, this was late-breaking news. I uh, A couple couple days ago, I was watching the National Signing Day videos and Tommy was talking to Brandon Clark and he said, what did you do after you signed? And he said, oh, we went out to breakfast. Thinking, you know, they would go somewhere like a diner with his family, but they went to Chick-fil-A. And Tommy said, oh, did you get the chicken minis? And he didn't, but he stole some from his sister, so whatever. Uh, last quarterback who stole did pretty well, hashtag Cam Newton. Uh, so I said, and to pull up the exact quote here, I said, did not, did not at him at all. I said, Coach Tommy Reese, being a chicken minis guy at Chick-fil-A, is the least surprising thing ever. That was at 1221. Today... I got a message from Coach Reese, and he said, do yourself a favor and order the minis next time you're at Chick-fil-A. Get them with the side of your biscuit. You'll thank me later. And I was taken by surprise, Steve, as were you when I sent you this message. I told him it, to it, was, it was a name search scenario. Tommy Reese yeah. uh, searched his name. And for good reason, because there was a, a great ESPN article that came out today talking about his progression through school. Uh, obviously, well, little days, uh, how he progressed through his career, and then kind of how he ended up landing as the QB coach. So I could understand if maybe he was looking for any sort of criticism or, or basically where he, if anyone ever said anything and, about him. So he did name search, saw that, and then DM'd you about the criticism that. criticism um, was about his breakfast choices. So, uh, yeah. so there's that. But we ended on a Go Irish and uh, now I have to go to Chick-fil-A tomorrow and try the chicken minis. So uh, I'll let him know after mm. I do that. And just for the record, two things. We, one, we are a very pro Tommy Reese podcast. At least I know I am. He's sneaky. One of my favorite Notre Dame quarterbacks that we've had during my tenure. Obviously, Jimmy Clausen um, and uh, probably, obviously, Brady Quinn, the GOAT, are... Some of my favorites. Uh, I definitely put Reese in the top five, though. He's probably that that close number four. Um, so I, I don't – when people used to call him turnover Tommy, I hated that. I've always thought he was a good quarterback. So we are a pro Coach Reese prod, uh, podcast. And if you did want to come on the podcast to discuss the chicken minis versus the uh, 
versus any other menu items. Let's let's get you on in the off season. You you have two games to win, coach. So uh, we'll we'll wait after that. But you'll definitely listen to this when I tag you in it uh, because that's what you do apparently. Uh, so moving forward, the holidays are over. It is officially Clemson Hate Week or Hate Couple Days, and the bomb that was dropped on us beforehand really has got me fired up personally. Uh, we will get into the Dexter Lawrence news. It appears the Horseman Curse has hit the Ron Lawrence, but I'm happy nonetheless. Uh, so really, we're here. It's week 17 of our podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, Flipboard. For all of your uh, note-taking needs and news aggregating needs, go to Flipboard, flipboard.com uh, slash anchor, I think. Uh, anyway. It's been an interesting week, and we are here with uh, Dylan and Steve to get ready for Clemson. Uh, we've done this every week since week one, and uh, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I don't really know how to feel, uh, but we're here. So, Dylan, take us away with whatever you got. Well, how about this uh, new microphone I got? I'm sure the audience will appreciate hearing me finally. Um, I have something that will go as good as my ideas. So microphone gang, all three of us got it. So we are, as the kids say, let's get it. Yeah, no, we're sounding good. Um, and that's just kind of how we're up- upgrading as we go along here with this podcast. So, um, yeah, I think this is a pretty big game. You know, I'm, I'm kind of nervous too. Um, I'm, as we've talked about before, kind of a little superstitious, not really, but like on the inside a little bit. So, um, I'm actually home, so I won't be able to watch the game where I usually do, and I'm already thinking that's too much, um, just being in a different place on a different couch. Um, but uh, all kind of nonsense aside, I think uh, I think I'm really excited for it. I really hope it goes well. Nobody is predicting us to win, um, and that's uh, that's kind of where we're at. I think as of as of this note right now, it would be. It's something under 30% of people predicting uh, ND to win. And uh, with that, we are one. We can go on record right now. Uh, Andrew W. Wynn, one of the uh, bloggers I follow, he's keeping track of every media outlet that is predicting Notre Dame to win. Uh, So, Andrew, right now you can put on record that the horsemen have the Irish over Clemson. We'll take the spread. We'll take the money line. We're taking the Irish. Uh, so with that, it is very interesting to see, even with the recent developments, uh, the over-under hasn't moved at all. The lines moved to 13 from 11. I think that's patently ridiculous, and I think Notre Dame's not only going to cover the spread, uh, but they're going to make Trevor Lawrence look dumb. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. So, Steve, what do you think? What are your initial takes and reactions to uh, this week, and how much do you hate Dabo Swinney? Uh, I, I can't say that I hate Dabo in good faith. I do. I can't do that. I can't because his, um, one of his first ever games that he had, I think it was his first game as a home, uh, at home in death Valley. Um, he ran down the ramp after touching Howard's rock and he actually like out sprinted his football team by like legitimately 35 yards. So any, any football coach that can out sprint the rest of your team, I, I can't hate you unless you're, uh, Nick Saban, and at that case, while you are sprinting, I hope your heart lapses and then you die. But, but 
going into the, actually the nitty gritty of the um, of the game. You know, this is basically kind of tuning out, uh, tuning into uh, to be a home game for Notre Dame. Um, you know, I, there was a projection today that came out by by Irish Sports Daily, and I'm not sure where they got the the numbers on this, but it's looking like almost a seventy to eighty percent crowd in favor. So, if you don't think that's going to play a, a a role in Jerry World, where it's going to be incredibly loud, um, you know, it, we have a chance to to rattle a true freshman quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, he's uh, statistically great. But a freshman is a freshman is a freshman, and that's it. Uh, that was from 538, the aggregated third, I believe, third-party um, resellers and just the ticket sales in general. So uh, that's actually from a pretty reputable source. Uh, so I saw that Perfect. too. Uh, hashtag home game. Perfect. I, uh, I do like that. And then, um, yeah, so, so it's an Irish home, home game basically, which is really exciting. Uh, let let's green that place out by all means, and then uh, on the week, I'm sure we can get into a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we are going to cut off the hair of Samson. That is Trevor Lawrence. I'm I'm hoping, and I went into some Rain Man type of uh, statistical dives to go over that, which I'm sure we'll get into. We've had a few bowls uh, since our last uh, bowl update. I'm sorry that I didn't get everything out. I'm- immediately on our Twitter, Dylan. I was drunk when you asked me to, so it took a little bit of time. Uh, so with that, that, Dylan, please give us the update in the Four Horsemen Bowl Mania Challenge. Sure thing. Um, getting drunk is always worth it, Pete. Don't ever apologize. Um, overall, uh, not too bad, um, but also terrible. So um, we're at 16 games so far. One canceled, um, Boise State and Boston College. Um, so... I started off really strong. I was nine for 10 and I've cooled down a little bit, but uh, as we things look here, you and Steve are tied. You both got eight out of 16. You're at 50%. Um, you've picked it up a lot lately. Um, you did well with the Louisiana tech pick. Both of you guys did. Um, and Minnesota and TCU. That's where you guys are kind of making ground on me. Um, Steve started well, had a rough patch where he couldn't pick four games in a row. Correct. Um, and then myself, I'm at uh, 69%, which I giggled. Um, nice. 11, 11 for 16. Um, and then, ironically, my girlfriend, who's a non-college football fan, is ahead of both you and Steve. She's 9 for 16, one better than you, at 56%. As things stand right now, I believe Temple is beating Duke. Um, and yes. you, me, and my girlfriend picked Temple, just Steve picked Duke. So things are looking bad for Steve. Um, but I think uh, I would have thought the earlier games would have been harder to predict because two bad teams playing each other, who knows? Uh, but, you know, it's kind of looking to be unpredictable at all. You know, it's just it's just kind of random. Um, it's interesting to see how the hypothesis will test itself to see if um, just a random picker could do better than people who know the sport just because how random the sport is. Mrs. Uh, Wagon is also nine for nine wins, seven losses right now. I'm keeping track of my own spread here. And just to real real quick, we won't go too far into the bowl mania, but uh, I had a nine-game, nine-leg parlay. Uh, my last two legs of the parlay were the Boston College over and then the fucking TCU uh, over. And I got a push for or a no contest, so it wipes it out. I made an eight-leg eight parlay. It was a $2 parlay to win 329 Uh And... 
the fucking nine interceptions in the Cheez It Bowl. I I have no words. I it would have been nice to win three hundred and something dollars legally from Rhode Island, uh, but that game sucked. So I'm licking my wounds right now, and I'm hoping my luck uh, turns around on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with bowl games, right? You just never know. Um, I was kind of hoping Cal would pull that one out um, in the upset, but I did not get it right. But, you know, that's just kind of where we stand right now. The bowls are a little bit unpredictable. Um, I'm kicking everyone's ass, which is surprising nobody. Um, <laughs> uh but uh, yeah no, that's just kind of where we stand the good bulls are going to start happening soon uh post christmas um or post boxing day uh if you're in canada because we had a lovely boxing day yesterday happy um, boxing day to all our canadian listeners and also happy hanukkah to our all the canadian jews out there yes yes of course um so i think it's kind of safe to kind of move on now uh we want to keep this short we uh, obviously are doing this a little late before the club's game but um let's hope we win so we can just kind of do a longer one next week so um oklahoma versus alabama that's the second playoff game i want to start with that one um just so we can get everyone's prediction on record i mean i have it but the podcast listeners don't and uh and kind of discuss the game what we want to happen and what we think will happen uh what i want to happen is oklahoma beating the shit out of tua uh tua is only 85 percent right now I, I don't I don't want them to win. I, I really don't. They've had three players sent home uh, for violation of team rules so far. I I don't think it's gonna be, you know, either it's either gonna be a really great game, really close, or Alabama's just gonna blow the doors off that abysmal defense that uh, Oklahoma has. Uh, so I do want Oklahoma to win. I am riding with Kyler, uh, even though it goes against my pick uh, of Alabama. Is that correct? I don't remember the pick that I made, but yeah, Alabama looks like from my uh, my spreadsheet here. Uh, so you know, whatever. It's going to be one of those games. I think uh, Tua being less mobile than he is right now uh, is going to help. Uh, unfortunately, Jalen Hurts also can run and pass. Uh, they do have a uh, quarterback coach for the first time ever, and uh, the other quarterback coaches were the offensive coordinators. So. He is benefiting from that, and it's one of those things where you know it's going to be a foregone conclusion. Uh, but unfortunately, we uh, we do have to ride with Kyler just so we can see ND wearing the blue and gold uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on a really big limb here and put my reputation at stake. Um, I got Oklahoma. I don't think that in itself um, makes me makes my reputation on, put it on the line. But I've been saying all year that I think Oklahoma has the best shot of beating Alabama. And, I, and that's been laughed at by some people. Uh, but my argument has been, and I hope I'm not proven too wrong here, but if it's an offensive high-scoring game where you're scoring on virtually every down or every play, or drive rather, um, that defense doesn't actually matter. If it's going to be a 50-40 kind of game, Alabama's edge with the defense won't matter as much. You're kind of nullifying how effective they can be defensively by just having an offensive game. And if it's on Oklahoma's terms, obviously an offensive game, which they are better at, um, then I think there's a better shot of Oklahoma having, you know, within a possession game late. And that's really all you can get with Alabama is have you be within a score in the fourth quarter. 
Um, I think Georgia has shown that they're beatable. I think Georgia has shown that you can beat them with defense, which I was skeptical with. I really didn't think you could. Um, but it, it was ultimately the quarterback, Jake Fromm, who who kind of put Alabama in the dirt for a while. So I'm taking Oklahoma. Um, I, I've talked about this before. College football just needs an Oklahoma-Notre Notre Dame uh, final. We just, we just desperately need it. The same old stuff is getting old. It's ruining our sport. So I'm kind of hoping Oklahoma pulls it through. I think they can if Hollywood Brown is playing. Um, great draft prospect. Um, that's that's kind of where my head is at. Um, I know that's a huge underdog pick, but you know they got the Heisman winner over there. They got the better offense. They got the better, at least, offensive-minded coach in Lincoln Riley, future Dallas Cowboy. And uh, yeah, so go Sooners, Boomer. Steve, uh, what do you think about this game? What do I want to happen? Obviously, just like you guys would see Oklahoma uh, topple the Death Star, you know, evil access, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that is Alabama. I hate everything about Alabama. Um, yeah, they suck. Screw them. Will Alabama most likely win? Yeah. Uh, th- this has the making of either a shootout with this team to have. It's going to be like 35-17 Bama. Now, what do I, I you know, obviously I, I so that's, I, I think that's one of the two outcomes is is either a shootout or just a, a drubbing by Bama. Obviously, I, I would definitely like to see Oklahoma win. And, I mean, everyone talks about how bad Oklahoma's defense is. And yeah, statistically, they're horrible. Also, a lot of those guys are probably four-star guys. Uh, at the end of the day, this is Oklahoma. They are getting a lot of good recruits from Oklahoma, Texas, the Southwest, a few guys from the Southeast. So they're going to have some athletes. It's just a matter of whether or not they can scheme enough to take on uh, a hurt to a, to a, to a Tagliavoa. And to head surgery. You don't get surgery on a, a sprained ankle. That does not happen. Most likely was broken. That's most likely going to have an effect. Uh, can they disrupt in any way, shape, or form? Hopefully they can. Because I think if they can legitimately force one turnover, or if they can stop, if they can make Bama punt two or three times, there's definitely a chance for Oklahoma. And at Kyler Murray, this could be his Johnny Manziel game uh, to, to hopefully, again, slay the beast. So that's what I think will happen. That's my quote-unquote, or hashtag analysis, and, you know, go go Sooners. I can't believe I'm saying that, but go Sooners. Boomer. Uh, moving on to the marquee game, it is Clemson-Notre Dame. Uh, before we start, everyone has all these bullshit offensive S&P statistics, but uh, fuck that. And that. I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, you're not a stats guy. No, I'm not. They're saying, I object to that for the record. Well, for myself, I'm looking at it right now, and I love Stucky. He writes for the Action Network. Uh, shout out, Stuck. He uh, he had an article talking about the elite rushing stats that Clemson had. Uh, Clemson averages 6.8 yards per rush. Notre Dame averages only 4.5 per rush. Uh, so Clemson also leads the nation in yards per rush allowed at 2.4, while Notre Dame has 3.7. Uh, so they're saying that uh, the yards per rush allowed is equivalent to la- uh, two years ago Alabama's team in 2009 Texas. 
Uh, I don't believe in the whole S&P defense. The game is going to be played on the field. Well, Steve, I, I think stats are bullshit, really. I, I don't think they really show the full story, uh, and you can manipulate them how you want. So uh, so with that, I know you, you had some time uh, over this week uh, to go into pretty much extensive detail. Uh, what, do you, what did you find? Even though stats are both pulled my best Rain Man as much as I could. Some of these stats just came from mainstream outlets such as ESPN or 24/7 Sports. Some of this was me literally going into the box scores of every single game and, and kind of measuring out who are you playing to like, and kind of taking more of a comprehensive look into seeing basically that everyone thinks that this is Clemson to lose and that they're just going to blow us out, which is why there's a 13 and a half point line. <laughs> I mean. This is very, very uh, misleading, at, at least at the statistical level. And I think we can compete with them, and, and here's here's why. So first things first, just going into, into opponents' records, strength of schedule. Um, Notre Dame, 77-70 and 70 was our uh, opponents' records combined. That's a uh, win percentage. And Clemson, 88-61. and 61. Keep in mind, they played 13 games, not 12, with a 593 win percentage. So... Win percentages are within 0 0.07 of one another. It's not far off. And uh, Notre Dame had four wins against ranked opponents. Their opponents that finished the season ranked, they had two, which was obviously Michigan, number seven, Syracuse, number 20. Um Clemson had two ranked wins against NC State and Boston College. Boston College finished like 7-5 and five and then had their bowl game canceled because they're bitches. And then NC State is also pretty much a joke. Um, so does and, this, and then does teams this play that they, your strength of record postseason theory? Are we are exactly? We exactly. That? Yeah. So if, if BC had maybe beat Boise State, then maybe I would give Clemson a chance. But since they didn't, I don't think so. <laughs> but yes, and then the only two teams that that Clemson played that finished with uh, that finished ranked were Texas A&M and Syracuse number 19 and number 20 teams in the nation. Guess only two teams that gave Clemson a really tough time this season, <laughs> Texas A&M and, and Syracuse. They struggled in both those games. They, they almost lost to Syracuse for the second straight year. So, you know, strengths of uh, the, the schedules we played were pretty much comparable and in terms of the quality of wins we had against ranked opponents versus them, I mean, we have the... Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of fair points you make there. Um, I think the really big thing Notre Dame has going for them, or rather Clemson doesn't, is the fact that Clemson hasn't really played a good team. And I know our schedule hasn't been that much stronger, but I'll, I'll kind of walk you guys through what I'm thinking. Um, Clemson has really good rush numbers. They really have pass numbers. They have really good defense numbers. Um, when you look at who they've played... It's unsurprising. And I'm not saying if we had the same schedule, we would do just as good because I, I don't necessarily think that's true. But Clemson has not been tested on either side of the ball yet. Um, not at least with such strength of Notre Dame, right? So they haven't played a defense in the ACC with all the first and second round picks we've got. Um, they haven't played a pass rush like Notre Dame has or a secondary. So you're going to see a reduction in Clemson's numbers for sure. They're not going to destroy and run us out of town. On the flip side of things, I don't know if they've played a good offense either. Um, and that doesn't mean they're not a good offense I just or not a good defense. I just don't think they've necessarily had the weapons 
lined up against them that Notre Dame did. That's on Syracuse and Boston College, just to interject right now, they gave them a run for their money. Uh, Boston College with that running, I don't know the running back's name. He's irrelevant to me. But he, A.J. Dillon, I think, uh, he played very well against them. And Syracuse, they were down. It was a one-possession game. And that was – you had that quarterback who played the entire game. I get Trevor Lawrence was hurt. But still, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense. So yeah, it's, I was, it's frustrating. Know, uh, I was kind of going to get to there um, in a second a little bit because what I was going to kind of bring us to is Notre Dame's played Michigan. And, yes, it was week one, but they've played a defense with the same kind of quality as Clemson, which Clemson has not played a defense as good as Notre Dame. And that's the advantage I think we have, actually, is that Michigan game. Uh, we have learned how to kind of defend long enough on the pass rush. You know, our offensive line didn't do great against Michigan. It did good enough. And we were getting the ball out quick. Um, and we were getting the ball out effectively. Um, and we used our big wide receivers to get explosive plays, and that's exactly what we're going to have to do with Clemson. Unfortunately for Clemson, they've just not seen a team like Notre Dame. Um, and that's where I think the big advantage lies for, Notre, lies for Notre Dame. And I think that's why we're seeing such high stats for Clemson, too, is they're just not consistently playing a Michigan. Um, but the flip side of that is let's compare not the elite teams but the middle teams. So uh, Clemson has not played Virginia Tech. Um, they also didn't play Stanford. They did play Clemson, or sorry, did they did play Syracuse? And if we want to count Boston College in there as well, when you look at those games for Notre Dame, yes, we struggled against Vanderbilt, against Ball State. Those were before Ian Book. Yes, we struggled with Pitt and USC with Ian Book. But when you look at that next tier of teams after Michigan, Stanford, Virginia Tech, um, and Syracuse. They were blowouts. It was not close on either side of the ball, really. Um, with Stanford, we held Bryce Love down. Uh, with Virginia Tech, we went into their stadium and kind of pushed them around, too. We blew out both of those teams. And then we get to the Syracuse game. Yes, the quarterback goes down, but that wouldn't have made a difference. I mean, it was 36-3, to and it could have been really 56-3. to um, And when you look at Clemson against that kind of middle of the pack, not middle of the pack, but tier below Michigan, They've played Syracuse and Texas A&M. And in both of those games, Clemson has struggled because my kind of theory here is that they have not seen a very good team. And when they do, they struggle. Now, A&M and Syracuse are obviously not good enough teams. And that's why I think Notre Dame does have an edge here is if we see Clemson struggle with, you know, A&M, although Lawrence wasn't playing, but still they, they gave up 22 points, I think. And Syracuse as well. Um, then what's going to happen when you face a Notre Dame? We know what Notre Dame looks like when they face a good team. At least, you know, uh, uh, a Syracuse. We know what they look like. Clemson didn't really perform that well. Now, yes, Clemson has other, you know, better performances against weaker teams, but that doesn't really matter in this game. It's how are you going to perform against a team close to your quality? Notre Dame's the only one with that game, Michigan. And in the next tier of teams that are close to your quality, Notre Dame is much more impressive against Virginia Tech, Stanford, Syracuse versus Clemson struggles against the only two other good teams they've played. You know, I, I would agree with that. And one thing as you were going on about that, and I, I, I did listen to everything you said. I was doing some research. Uh, I don't normally do a lot of research before, except on Flipboard. But uh, with that, the thing that is staggering, and Brad uh, Kelly kind of brought this to light when we interviewed him last week, Notre Dame's tall. I mean, I'm 5'5 on a good day. I know you've only seen me sitting down, Dylan, but I am not a tall man. 
and neither is the Clemson defensive backs. Uh, so with that, I just pulled up their depth chart. I don't know if these are the starters anymore. It, this is just very baseline research here. Uh, they have Trayvon Mullen, number one. He's a corner. He sits to 190. Tanner Muse, he's a uh, redshirt junior safety. He is also uh, sits to 225, kind of a big guy for a safety. Uh, Kevon Wallace, uh, junior defensive bat, six foot. And then A.J. Terrell, he sits one. I just pulled up two of our favorite players, Miles Boykin and Alizé Mack. They run six, four, six, five. So you're going to have these matchups, whether it be in the red zone or in what I like to call the green zone between the 25 and the 40, kind of the, the go zone there. Those are matchup nightmares. And Chris Fink's 5'10". Okay, I, I get it. He's a small wide receiver. But everyone else, they're big as fuck. And Cole Komet's healthy. He's another 6'4 receiver. So you can either run that spread formation, run him out, and have him go have those one-on-one -on -one matchups. It, it's going to look like what Miles Boykin did, did against LSU. Greedy Williams, I think, is sits too. Miles Boykin is a lengthy wide receiver. He can get up there. So the height matchup really does favor Notre Dame. And even, you know, you're looking at some other players. You have uh, actually those aren't players on our team. So never mind. And then now there's the matchup I wanted to get into, which was Trevor Lawrence versus the secondary. Trevor Lawrence, he is a true freshman. I'm not sure if we established that or not. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's a true freshman quarterback. That means this is his first year on the field. If people had forgotten, don't forget. So he, he is ranked eighth in QB rating, QBR, when he is coming off play action, right? And he's also first in the nation in touchdowns per attempt uh, out of play action also at 16%. So obviously when they get into the red zone, they're going to run a lot of play action. And in, in general, they're going to run a lot of play action with NTN as a, as a hell of a running back to protect Trevor Lawrence. Here's the thing. Notre Dame's secondary is second in expected points added in the entire nation. That means like they are literally, in terms of points efficiency, that secondary is phenomenal. And play action is designed to really freeze two two guys on the field or two uh two levels on the field the linebackers and the safeties Aloe Gilman great and do you honestly think that you are going to fool the linebackers of Tavon Coney and Tr Drew Tranquil I personally no I I think even just going off of that you're looking even at Julian Love uh, they're going to obviously have that matchup there but the biggest thing that I can see from uh, from the play action is you're going to send a linebacker. You know, send a linebacker, drop one of those edge rushers into coverage. It's it's a different game. So, uh, just personally, I think uh, you get Trevor Lawrence rolling out of the pocket, he'll be lucky to get up. Yeah, I I mean it's it's just it's a totally different ball game. We're talking about them finally playing and Eagles literally have not done it yet this year. And the only two programs that they played that could even touch, sniff the top 25, they they struggled against. So the fact that people, obviously Clemson's a really good team, not taking anything away from them because they have phenomenal athletes. Obviously, we know their defensive line is incredible. Their offense is record setting in, in a lot of ways. 
don't one don't discount the Irish and two I mean they've Clemson really hasn't played anyone that's gonna hit them in the mouth so if Notre Dame can come out and punch them in the mouth then that's gonna make a one hell of a difference in rattling a freshman quarterback in what we established is basically a 70 to 80 percent Irish crowd uh, so, you know, with that, I definitely think Notre Dame not only has a hype matchup in the in the secondary, uh, but they also have Ian Book being a smart player. Ian Book has won a ball game. He won the Citrus Bowl. What has Trevor Lawrence done? He played in high school. He, he's a high school quarterback who is now a freshman playing in the biggest game of his life when Ian Book had every biggest game. Pressure is a privilege. And playing at Notre Dame, that pressure was on him each week, whether it be assholes starting rumors about him cheating on a test or moving into this game, he has been pressured every single week. They're likening him to Drew Brees. I'm not going to glorify him yet as a Drew Brees character, but he knows how to play under pressure. So there's that. Yeah, I I think for Notre Dame, uh, I don't think it's really rocket science if – our, our advantage is clearly with our receivers against their secondary. We've seen South Carolina do it. Um, but it's going to come down to this. Can the offensive line hold them up enough to get our ball out to their secondary, to our receivers, um, to win that matchup? If we can exploit that matchup, we have a good shot. If we don't, it'll be a tough It'll be a tough game. Uh, we'll have to find alternative ways to win there. Um, and I think that's kind of how it breaks down for Notre Dame. If you got to hold long enough on the line and exploit – our big advantage, which is our receivers versus their secondary. Um, another thing you brought up too was the quarterback. He's a freshman. He's a very talented guy. He's going to win a Heisman eventually, no doubt there. Um, but this is his first game in a in a big game. He's playing a team he's never seen before, and I really wanted this Clemson matchup all year because I felt like we could get to them. I feel like we can get to the quarterback. I feel like we can get his head. I feel like as soon as he makes a mistake, how is he going to respond? Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear for us how we're going to have to win this game. That's going to be through the air. Obviously, we'll need a, a ground game to start it, um, but we have to hold up long enough to get it in the air to our boys. To uh... So, Steve, uh, just going off of that, we I get Trevor Lawrence uh, hasn't really played anyone this year, and Ian Book has won a, a bowl game against a major uh, SEC opponent. Uh, so you had something else. I know we talked before. Uh, what's what are some other stats that kind of jump out of you off your uh, off your paper? Yeah, absolutely. I, this is just like general stat matchup here, and just going down the stat line. Um, you know, if you go in and look up, you know, the preview of this game, you're going to see uh, points of Clemson points against per game have uh, pretty pretty close. We're actually four points apart, so both defenses are obviously elite, um, but. You know, Notre Dame passing yards, um, you know, it, it, their average is 265 yards per game. You have to take into account, you know, we literally had our backup quarterback starting four games of the season. You know, in games where Ian Book has been the starting QB, we, are, we go from averaging 265 yards per game up to <clears throat> 307. It's a massive increase. And when you go from barely struggling to get like 220, 230, 240, all the way up till 300, it's going to open up the run game. You open and up, up the run has game. Grown. It, My bad. It, exactly. So you're really opening up the playbook. So I, I really think that 
you know, if you look at these stats at their at their face value, it looks very heavily in favor of Clemson. If you factor in that Ian Book only played eight out of twelve games, and you look at every game that Book has had, we He's are a significantly he, better. He uh he played seven. He was out for the Florida State game too. So if you you know we even throw that in there. He missed the first three, and then Florida State. Oh right, that that wouldn't that would work out eight yeah whatever. I'm just glad he's here. Uh, you know, and just going off of that, the the big matchup that everyone's saying with Dexter Lawrence, you know, the whole Austrian thing, it's official. He did test positive again in the B sample. Uh, so with that, he's out. I think he's suspended not only for the game, but they may have to appeal. Uh, well, there's not going to be another game, but if there was, they would have to appeal that. Um, so. It was so delayed in coming out. They were trying to work a PR move. But, um, and this is kind of a rant. Just, it'll be a very quick rant because people have read my tweets. I think I'm the most popular guy in the University of South Carolina on Twitter. They love me right now. Me and them have teamed up to take down this bullshit that everyone is charging right now. So, point blank, Osterine is a SARM a selective androgen receptor module. It is very similar to taking a steroid. Osterine is administered orally. Now, Dylan, what does orally mean? In the mouth. Can you see any situation where the Osterine would be in a float tank, in hair gel, in cream, do you think it's at all possible that the Osterine was in everyday products? Um, I would say no, and I'm sure you'll get to this, but I heard it is not an approved substance in any product, let alone in it's college people. It's the World Anti-Doping Commission and USADA. Those are the two big ones. If you watch UFC, you know who USADA is. They're the ones who ban John Jones all the time. Uh, so... The, the whole thing is I took off my hat for this because I'm angry. Osterine is administered via mouth. You take a pill, you pop it in your mouth. You can break it up. There are There's not really Osterine powder, but it could be in supplements. I will admit that. But if you're taking hair gel, hand cream, it's not going to be in friggin' Epsom salt. You have to willingly take this pill to get stronger. Now, do whatever you want. If, if it's illegal, it's illegal. They didn't get caught beforehand. I think it's a witch hunt now or a cover-up that they're doing. They're going on this big witch hunt saying, oh, it could have been in this, could have been in that, could have been blah, 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 blah. They'll have a fall guy who says, oh, yeah, I gave it to them. I didn't know. A sliver of Osterine, it's 24-hour half-life. Two to four weeks, it stays in your system. So they were taking it all year. And no one's saying, oh, they weren't taking it. They were taking it all year. They get tested. They may have stopped taking it, but they don't realize that it stays in your system no matter what you do for two to four weeks. Now, Osterine can also be used as a post-cycle therapy. What are post-cycle therapies for? Steroids. Interesting, because the PCT wouldn't test. The steroids would be out of their system if they were cycling off for bowl season. However, 
if they were tested positive for steroids, there wouldn't be a B sample. They would have been already suspended. So my theory, I'll postulate here is, could they have just been taking ostrine? Yes. Does it smell of something bigger than just ostrine? We know Clemson has an issue with steroids dating back to 1985 during that steroid scandal. Clemson is not a clean program, allegedly. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, the thing I heard from Clemson fans was you can have it in energy drinks and and kind of – If don't... you know where to get an Austrian energy drink, it could be in Canada. Don't send them down. I have to get fit by April. So I need all the Austrian energy drinks you can give me. Yeah, no, but from what I heard, it's illegal to put in any product anyway, that it's not allowed to be an energy drink. So whatever they're taking, um, I doubt it was laced by a company that was just providing them – um, energy drinks. So this is kind of the situation as of last night. I don't know if anything has changed. It could be changing as we're talking, but um, there's articles published that Dexter Lawrence has not been practicing. The two tackles who are below him on the depth chart, uh, Pitney and Huggins, I don't have the first names. Uh, they're, if you combine them into a megazord of a college football player, they would be okay. But alone, it's not great. So Dexter Lawrence had uh, 15 solo tackles, 21 assisted uh, for 30 sits on the year with seven for loss and one and a half sacks. The totals for Pitney and Huggins, they had 20, uh, Pitney had 21 total tackles, Huggins had 16. So you're losing right off the top. If Pitney plays 15, if you're with Huggins playing, you're losing 20 tackles right off the top. Pitney had two and a half sacks or two and a half tackles for loss. Huggins at three and a half. Again, you're you're losing value there. You're losing production. Pitney and I had, think they're obviously. I think they're products of you know the defensive ends because Clen. Uh, what what's his name? The guy that's suspended. Lawrence. Lawrence uh, isn't he the defensive tackle? Yeah. All right. So I mean, you have two defensive tackles, two defensive ends right. uh, in, in their four three system. I mean, you, you, they're a product of one another, and obviously unit they're going to be great uh i think people forget that notre dame's an offensive line factory and and yeah alex Barr is going down definitely screws us but this team this offensive line has played progressively significantly better every single game of the year and the michigan game they sucked they they weren't good in the michigan like if you remember the game itself we were worried about the offensive yeah line. oh yeah absolutely and yeah, we were definitely struggling against a, a bunch of different pressures. Even against Ball State, offensive line did not play great. Um, but that's that's a problem of the defense that they're playing. You know, Clemson's a four three. They're mm-hmm. they're not going to come out and play a fucking four two five or a three three five or any bullshit defense. They're they're coming out. They're going to play straight up four three defense. And you're telling me Kelly hasn't seen this all year when they have the trade tape. They've seen Clemson multiple times. Syracuse. Florida State, you can name the or whoever Clemson played. I don't think Clemson played Florida State. Even Michigan. Yeah, with the ACC teams that they played, they've already seen what Clemson can do. So, you know, I think losing Lawrence is a big impact. They still have Christian Wilkins. They still have a good defense. Do they still have that douchebag uh, linebacker that they played two years ago? Or no he- idea. I, I hope not. He, he's All a, the only players I know on their team are obviously Entian, Clennon Farrell, Dexter Lawrence, 
And then um, Renfro. Hunter Renfro, who's in his red-shirted 13th year. <laughs> He's a poor man's Chris Finky. So there's that. He is a poor man's Chris Fink. People don't forget future uh, Patriot Chris Fink. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. Um, we're probably not going to see Dexter Lawrence, which really helps out um, our run game and our and our offensive line. Um, I know we'd like to beat them at full strength, but honestly, I'm going to take a win any way I can get it. Um, I just hope we win the game because if Clemson has to play Alabama without Dexter Lawrence, then I'd be a little upset. Um, but you know, good for us. Um, I think we should kind of move into the the actual game predictions now. We kind of covered the game, we covered the scandal. Um, so P wagon, do you want to start? Yes. Notre Dame, the spread has moved down to 12 and a half. Uh, so I'm going to say Notre Dame 38 Clemson 30. So my prediction, um, obviously we're all feeling good about everything, you know, between you and, and Dill, um, I'm feeling strong. I'm, I'm going to make my baseline prediction of Clemson 100, Notre Dame nothing, just to check my boxes. Uh, as for how I think the game will play out, I think this is a one-score game. And I think Notre Dame is giving up more than 24 points. People forget Notre Dame has a freaking incredible defense. And there's a lot of factors that we've gone over between crowd um, you know, our, our secondary and how they've played. If, if we can just stop the run, if we can bottle up Travis and TN, Bryce love, I, this is going to be a one score game. I think Notre Dame has it in them to compete. Um, Clemson 100, Notre Dame, nothing, but boy, oh boy, my Irish eyes will be crying. If, if, uh, if I see that we're ahead in the scoreboard when the clock hits zero. All right. I kind of I kind of wrote out an elaborate um, way it's going to go down. I kind of thought about this long and hard. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I think it's the under I'm taking here. I'm just looking at my final score. Um, it's going to be defensive. They have a great defense. We have a great defense. Um, I just don't see either team really moving the ball enough, unless it's a blowout, which I don't really see either. So I think, kind of like I said, um, Clemson hasn't seen a team like Notre Dame. They haven't, and when they've come to, close to a team that's maybe a tier below Notre Dame, they don't do so well. With that working theory, my prediction is going to start off with Notre Dame jumping all over Clemson. I don't think Clemson's going to be able to handle the pass rush. I don't think uh, the quarterback's going to be able to handle the different schemes and the coverages. I think he might turn the ball over. And I think the Notre Dame offensive line will hold up well. I really see this similar to the Michigan game to start the season. I think we will get a lot of good plays early, a lot of jump balls, um, and we'll hold Michigan, in this case Clemson, back long enough um, to kind of move the ball effectively and score early. So I have Notre Dame getting to a quick lead, 17-3 to at half. I think we're going to kind of be really happy going into it, uh, just kind of like the Michigan game. We'll be playing really well, uh, working on both sides of the ball. But I think Clemson's going to make a lot of adjustments because they're too good not to. Um, so I think Clemson's going to score to start the third quarter. Um, they're going to kind of figure us out. Um, I think the pass rush will maybe slow down a little bit as the game goes on. And I think their defense will kind of figure us out as the game goes on. So I think the Notre Dame offense is going to stall in the third quarter. I don't think we will do much. Uh, I have us getting a field goal and going into the fourth 20-10. to 10. Um, 
I think in the fourth quarter, Clemson's going to score again. I think we just they're going to keep getting the ball. Maybe there'll be a missed field goal or, or a nice big stand on fourth and one. But we can't stop them forever. I think their offense is really going to pick it up in the second half, and ours is going to stall. So I have them scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it 2017. Um, and then I think this is where kind of Ian Book cements his legacy as a Notre Dame quarterback. I have him kind of going down the field, we'll say, between eight and five minutes. Um left in the game and then scoring a big touchdown. Um, I think it's going to be Chris Fink. Um, and I, and I really think it's going to kind of put the game uh, out of reach, um, but there'll still be enough time for Clemson. So I think Ian Book's going to kind of come through huge after stalling all game or the second half. I think he'll score in the fourth to make it 27, 17. And I think as Clemson kind of moves the ball quick down the field, we'll get an interception to seal it. So I have Notre Dame winning 27, 17. If that happens, I will throw up everywhere. Just, yeah, I, I I figured it's gonna be that kind of game. It's going to be just a nauseating, very close, very just nerve wracking game. Typical Notre Dame game where like, are they gonna do it or are they gonna give us a heart attack? So stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter uh, at pwagon60 at Steve Campy at Dilly Dilly ninety seven. And uh, if if it does get to a point where uh, we have to do a live, I will tweet out the live stream. I'll do it by myself. Uh, I won't subject you two to that li- that live stream, uh, but we uh, will definitely see. This is a PSA to all Irish fans. Get ready to do whatever you have to do to win this game. We all have to do our job. I feel like FDR doing the fireside chatter, chatter JFK saying, it's not what your country can do for you, but it's what you can do for your country. But no, this is a PSA. If you listen to this podcast, have your backup jersey, have your emergency jersey, chug a beer if you have to, do whatever you have to do to rally the team because there will be a time in the game when the team needs you to rally. If you're watching it with people, don't be afraid to tell them to get the fuck out of the seat and move around. If something's going good, tell everyone to freeze. I don't care what you have to do. If you need your pets to stay up and pet them the entire game, they are staying up. Those pets are not going to sleep. It's only a 4 p.m. start. It's an early game. The dog can wait to walk. The chicken can wait to cook. Do whatever you need to do to rally the troops. It is backup jerseys. It's no new gear. You wear the gear you've worn all season. It's tweeting relentlessly. It's tweeting gifts. Do your job, and we will come out with a victory. Go Irish. And also, Dylan, it's okay that you're not on the same couch. Uh, you know, couch, couches travel. It's just like defense travels. Couches travel. Good. That that eases my mind. I brought the Notre Dame socks, so we should be good here. That was the only thing that was holding us back all season was when we were trailing USC without my socks. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, I'm really excited for it. Um, I'm really worried we'll get blown out because that's what everyone's predicting, but I, I just don't see it. Um, I just don't think Clemson has faced a team like Notre Dame. That doesn't mean they can't beat Notre Dame. I just don't think they're going to be as efficient and they're going to have to game plan around us. Um, So yeah, for the sake of college football, um, let's go Oklahoma and let's go Notre Dame. Uh, Any last thoughts? Uh, We won't do a season end show until the season ends on January 8th. Uh, So with that, go Irish. Go Irish, beat Clemson. And we've been saying it all year. Go Irish. Go Irish. Tiger hunting season.